0: Yeah. This is we must yeah, continue to solidarity with the people of the world all over. We need to stop joining the military and killing fuck and brown of young all people that have done enough
1: to It is April 7th, 2017. A protest against the war in Syria is being held in Hemming Park in downtown Jacksonville, Florida. Along with the protesters is a group of counter-protesters, waving Trump flags and shouting into megaphones. Both sides are trying to drown the other out. Connell Crooms is at the rally. Connell is a young, deaf black man that has been a consistent face in the activism community in Jacksonville for the last five years. He wasn't intending to speak that day, but when a friend asked him, he agreed. Gary Snow, a well known Trump supporter and provocateur, is there as well, standing next to Connell on the wooden stage and waving his large Trump flag right in front of Connell's face. The next minutes are caught on video from as many as 37 different cameras. Connell asks the Jacksonville police officers again to separate the opposing sides. They refuse. When they do, Connell says, F the police. police tackled Connell and then punched him, kicked him, and eventually tased him even as he offered no resistance. The video shows the police dragging him unconscious to the squad car. He was transported to the hospital with multiple injuries and then charged with one felony count of inciting a riot and another felony count of assaulting a police officer. When the videos of the incident were reviewed, all charges were dropped against Connell.
0: You could literally read the police report, read the uh, police report, they wrote that I was arrested for saying fuck the police and I, I don't know what people talking about, you know, uh, free speech, but you know, as a deaf black man, what free speech do I have And I can't even say fuck the police. So, oh, it was a small protest, not, not even one of our biggest ones that we've always had uh, a working relationship with the police to make sure that protesters are safe. We've never had a protest in Jacksonville where anybody got hurt, but it's no surprise that, you know, the black guy, uh, you know, was was the one to, that they were set that day that they were gonna beat the shit out of uh, because, you know, uh, Jacksonville's racist history is all falling apart, you know, and Jacksonville is just a, the vanguard of, of racism. In the South, so the, you know, so goes Jacksonville. So so goes racism everywhere else in the country, and you know, that's just something that I believe. And, and you have to believe that uh, what the movement that we build here in Jacksonville is a threat to a lot of people, including the uh, the the racist cops.
1: Connell believes the authorities are monitoring him because he's an outspoken activist. He is also easily recognizable, because Connell is the man in the mural. It's nearly impossible to miss Connell. He is 150 feet tall, depicted in black and white beside a fellow activist, Palestinian-American Sarah Mahmoud. They are each painted on their own massive silo, back-to-back, with their giant eyes downcast. They watch over downtown Jacksonville, situated directly across from Everbank Field, where the Jaguars football team plays. With only three losses this season, Crooms often jokes that maybe his mural has something to do with the Jaguars' recent wins. He's glad that it's the first thing the players and fans see when they enter the stadium. Whether or not Crooms' depiction is a good luck charm for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the passion that he and Mahmoud showed at a protest shortly after President Trump was elected in November twenty sixteen inspired a famous street graffiti artist named Guido Van Helten. Van Helten, commissioned by the Art Republic, took only four days to paint the two activists.
0: So these are just a black man and a Palestinian woman, you know, struggling uh, for solidarity to, you know, show that you know, well, the people with the power of the people were always gonna win and we will win. So that's what this signifies. I'm really happy that that's the first thing that, you know, Jaguar players see when they go into the uh, football. <laughs>
1: But there are other forces at work in Jacksonville and Northeast Florida that may be threatened by the changes that Connell and other activists are pushing for. Northeast Florida is home to several known hate groups. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Southern National Congress, a neo-confederate organization, and the loyal white knights of the Ku Klux Klan both make their home in Jacksonville. Jacksonville is also only 45 minutes north of St. Augustine a town that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called the most lawless community in which we have worked after he was arrested for trying to eat at a segregated restaurant. In October 2017, the Ku Klux Klan distributed flyers throughout Jacksonville advocating for black men to be beaten with bats if they looked at white women. The flyers also said that fighting Jewish people was the same thing as fighting the devil. Calling the number listed on the flyer ends at an interesting voice message.
0: We all hear the fairy tale of six million Jews died at the hands of the Nazis during World War II, but what they do not tell you is why. It was because the Jew General Yagoda on Lenin's orders, killed over 68 million white Christians during the Russian Revolution, which angered Adolf Hitler. The Jewish hatred for white Christians turned the streets of Europe blood-red, and now they send our American soldiers off to fight their foreign wars. Enough is enough. Save our land. Join the clan. Visit our website at kkkknights.com. That's kkkknights.com. Or leave name, a number, a code, and
1: we'll get back to you. If you're white and proud, join the crowd. Whether the KKK likes it or not, Jacksonville is changing and the proof is in the numbers. The demographics are shifting. There are more young people, more Hispanics, more African Americans, and more immigrants that now call this coastal city their home. There are several active refugee resettlement programs in the area that serve people fleeing the Middle East, Cuba, parts of the Caribbean, and Central America. According to the U.S. Census Bureau's American Community Survey, from 2011 to 2015, Jacksonville saw people moving in from cities like Miami, New York, Orlando, and Washington, D.C. 9.3% of new residents came from outside of the United States entirely. While the incoming residents from that time period are still mostly white, nearly half are African American, Hispanic, Asian, or from other places such as Europe and the Middle East. The majority of new Jacksonville residents are also in the millennial age bracket or lower, with 57% of them 35 years old or younger. Kroom said that it will take more young people getting involved in activism to make real change in Jacksonville. That. And people using their white privilege to educate others, but he is hopeful for the future and for his city.
0: You know, here in Jacksonville, the the level of uh, organizing, the level of uh, activism that we've seen is uh, is is it, it, an amazing level. We you know we're known uh, across the nation as a town, that a city that's like ten years backwards. Hey, you know, this isn't. No lie that Jacksonville has its faults, Jack, Jacksonville has its problems, but we have the potential to be a great uh, city with, you know, great leaders. It's just all it just takes is just young people getting involved and getting uh, active, learning and educating you know, and servicing other people. I mean, we're, just, we're building bridges here and we are the city of bridges.